Time and time again, you have asked to hear about the topic of discipline on our podcast. So we are bringing another episode about discipline here to you today. I have with me my mom, Connie Burrows, again. She is a mom to four and a nana to nine and has so much wisdom to share on the topic of discipline. So I'm so thankful she can be back again with us. Now, she and I began this conversation a few episodes back. If you go back to episode 33, We talked about the heart of discipline. And if you haven't listened to that conversation yet, I'm going to ask you to pause this one, go back and listen to episode 33, The Heart of Discipline, and then come back to this conversation about the tools of discipline after you finish that one. Discipline really is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our heart being in a place of serving the Lord, answering yes to our calling to disciple our children. And it's a matter of training the hearts of our children. We don't want just their behaviors to change through tools that we're using to train them. We want their hearts to be transformed to know and love and serve the Lord. Now, today, as we talk about the tools of discipline, we're going into this conversation about training young children specifically today um, using different tools of discipline with an expectation that you as the parent are first putting in a good measure of preventative discipline at the start. So what that looks like would be if I have my sweet two-year-old and I know there's an area of our life that she is going to struggle with regularly. We have a pattern of struggling with getting in the car seat, we'll say. I'm speaking from um, a true story here. (laughs) And it's a struggle to get in the car seat. And I know it's going to be a struggle. So I'm going to think, what can I do to prevent that struggle and the conflict that would end up needing a consequence? And I'm going to take some steps to try to prevent the problem. So an example would be preparing her in advance, saying, hey, sweet girl, it's going to be time to get in the car soon. And when we do, you're going to get to choose if you're going to obey and get in nicely and climb right in your seat. And we'll say, yay, Alice, we're so proud of you. Or you can choose to throw a fit and then you'll have to be punished. And that would be so sad. And then she gets to choose. Now, I might even go a step further and include some positive reinforcement, which is another aspect of training our children or discipling them that I'm, again, assuming that is something that you're already putting into practice in your home. And that may be another conversation, ways to be encouraging our children through positive reinforcement. Um, But anyhow, an example of that would be something like having stickers in the car. And I can remind her, if you choose to obey, then when you get in your seat, I will get you one of the stickers. Now, she is still her own person. And to be completely transparent, it's about 50-50 the number of times that she's going to choose to be obedient and get in her car seat and get the positive reinforcement or choose to throw a fit or not get in her car seat when I ask her to and then have to be punished. So... It's still up to her. She still has her own free will as God has made her, her own little sweet, strong-willed person. But I want to set her up to succeed because young children have so many no's all the time in their days. The number of times they have to hear no is so frequent. And there are times that they have to obey. And so if we can set them up to succeed more times than not, then it allows us to avoid even needing the consequences on the tail end. 
But since there is sin nature and they do have free will as people, we are going to need those negative consequences. And that's where we're going to come into our conversation today, talking about tools of discipline with young children. And if you have older children, I think you'll still enjoy this conversation because a lot of the principles really can apply to both. But we will have another conversation down the road a bit more, specifically focusing on older children as well. I'm so glad you can join us today, friends. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Mom, thank you so much for being back again. It's a pleasure. So we're jumping into some real discipline stuff. So let's kind of review what we talked about last time. So we talked about the heart of discipline and talked about the heart behind it. Originally, this was going to be one conversation and it just keeps growing. Right now it's grown into three. We'll see if it ends there. I'm sure it won't. Like It, it will. It will. We'll make it. <laughs> make it end at three. So when we talked about the heart of discipline, we talked about that really discipline is tr- a training tool. And it's discipling our children, and we're really discipling their hearts. The goal is reaching their hearts, Mm -hmm. not just reaching their behaviors, Mm -hmm. because the tools of disciplining, the actual process of disciplining your child um, or punishing your child, one could say, would seem like it was maybe just to change an action. But we talked about before that it's really a heart issue. And um, I love that discipline makes me think of the word discipleship, which makes me think of how Jesus was with his followers. And I was thinking as I was praying about this conversation, even about in Proverbs 23, 13, it says, a father does not withhold discipline from those he loves. And thinking about how God is so faithful to train us and has entrusted our children for us to train and raise. So I really enjoyed that conversation a lot. And I'm glad to talk today about some real t- practical tools of what does that look like. Right. And I think it's super important. If you didn't listen to episode 33, I would almost tell you just pause this one, go back <laughs> and listen to episode 33, and then come back to this one because yeah. it's that important. Um, all of these tools of disciplining your children, if you have no relationship with your child, then they're for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to, they're not going to be effective. It's it's not what you want. Your, your goal is for your children to grow up to be self-disciplined adults who are seeking the Lord, seeking to follow Him. These are gifts you're giving to your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I've heard you say probably like a million times talking to moms, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Yes. And and it's true. It's true. So the relationship is where it has to start. It's true. And the relationship begins in utero. I think mm-hmm. it's so special to think about, or as a new baby, whenever if an adopted baby is brought into your home, mm-hmm. as soon as you have that first contact with them, whether it be inside you or in your arms outside of you, that that relationship begins at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying, we're going to talk about um, disciplining your children starting at age two, we're going to start at the littlest. Exactly. And I think it really does start from the very beginning that you're building a relationship with your children. Um, when they hear your voice, 
that becomes a voice they want to hear, they want to listen to, um, they want to be in a relationship with you. Um, and this is the, this relationship will carry you through their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And it starts from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think about the littlest ones. It's kind of funny because you could almost forget that at a very small age that there are opportunities. You don't have to teach a sin nature to a child. No. They are born with that. Mm-hmm. And just this last week, our Graham is seven and a half months old. And having nursed, he's my fifth baby to nurse now, I know that there's this time that happens when they start to do that awful thing where you feel them like start to bite down and then pull their head back with all their might. And it's like, the world stands still for a moment. And there's nothing though that they're not trying to be mean or bad, but you can't just let them do that. Right. And I was thinking how funny that even at this smallest of age, mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. And held him up closer and realized I was intentionally nursing him differently to prevent this bite and tug that yeah. happens. And you know, okay, and so that's a great way to even start this whole thing. So there's a couple of things that that brought to mind for me. One is something that is kind of a newer term for me to learn was preventive discipline. Something I always did, I just didn't know the name of it. So this is newer for me, but the idea of preventive discipline. So I would say, ask yourself a couple of questions when this happens, because this is a behavior that you need to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for all you, of our good. <laughs> yes, yes. And so so you need to change this behavior. So what is it? This is not really a heart issue. No. He's not trying to be defiant. This is just childish behavior. So mm-hmm. a couple of things there. One, we need to, from the very beginning, kind of differentiate between those two, childish behavior and defiance, because mm-hmm. there's a big difference. And that's something that will carry through all the way until they're not children anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is this idea of preventive discipline. So so to ask yourself a couple of questions, and the first one being, you know, when is there a is there a pattern here? Does he tend to bite me more in certain circumstances than others? And if mm-hmm. so, is there a way I could prevent that from happening? Because you want to prevent it yes. <laughs> from happening. So, um, so what is it? And you might say, well, actually, I've noticed if I'm a student of my baby, I've noticed it's when I'm talking. Mm-hmm. And I'm just making right, this right, up. Right, right, right. But let's just say it's when you're talking. So you can say to yourself, well, I'm going to try to not talk while I nurse my baby. That will prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. But you have four other children, and there's and a husband, and there's life, and so you can't maybe always make that happen. Or maybe it's when there's distractions, like the kids come running through the room, and he just turns his head mm-hmm. um, to see what they're doing. Again, if you have opportunity for a quiet place to nurse your baby when there's not so much going on, then that would help to prevent this behavior. But if that's not possible, then you have to come up with a solution. Your solution right now was to talk to your baby. And you can even say it in a firm voice, not yelling at your baby. Oh, of course. But there's a difference in firm. There's no, 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 we're not going to bite or uh, 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 uh. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I remember when you did it to me the first time, brand new, first time mom, first time baby, and you bit me, I felt so bad because I was so shocked. You're at the most <laughs> relaxed time of your life, nursing your baby, and then all of a sudden, this pain is inflicted. And I remember just going, ah, well, it scared you. And it's and and so you probably didn't repeat it. Yeah. And I didn't mean to scare you. That wasn't going to be my method of discipline, <laughs> but it probably worked. Mm-hmm. So you can use a firm voice without 
without yelling at your baby. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have you even know. thought of this as discipline unless, again, we were preparing for this conversation. Yeah. But it made me remember back that with different babies, I'd have times when they would get in that habit, whether it's because teeth were coming in or they were distracted or whatever, mm-hmm. that I would even nurse with my hand near their little face right. so that when they would start to, I would either like quickly take them off right. or tap their little, their little mouth near their, near their mouth. Mm-hmm. So that way they would like have a cue. Oh, I shouldn't do that. And they would stop mm-hmm. and, and, or, or make them stop nursing. You mm-hmm. can't do this. This is mm-hmm. not working for our nursing relationship. Yes. <laughs> this, we cannot go on like this. Yes. And that, that is kind of the whole pattern of discipline with your children mm-hmm. is when they have a behavior or act in a certain way, an attitude or whatever, then it's followed up. If it's followed up by something negative, then they decide, I don't want that negative. And so they start avoiding that. Mm-hmm. And that's what all of life is. Isn't that right. true for us today? Yes. I don't want this negative thing in my life, so I'm not going to keep doing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you have different bends of children Mm -hmm. that there's some where one you know one experience of a negative consequence just reaches their little heart that's how I was most of the time Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and I knew and I truly felt so bad Mm -hmm. and would never have wanted to do that thing again to Mm -hmm. disappoint or to have any kind of a consequence I hated being in trouble Mm -hmm. so much but then there's another bend of child that would say well what will the consequence be mm-hmm. if I do said behavior? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that's why there's no exact formula that you can't say, this is the textbook way to discipline a child mm-hmm. because every child's heart is different. And yeah, the way God created them is different. Mm-hmm. So they're going to respond to discipline differently. Exactly. And I think that goes back to one of the things we mentioned this in the heart of discipline one. Um, just talking about um, each child that you have is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so they need to be disciplined, trained differently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So I like the idea that you talked about. So if it's a behavior that's happening, can I prevent it? Mm-hmm. And then if I can't prevent it, how, how can I help correct it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about when you were little, I remember I went to visit a pediatrician who said to me that when you bring a baby home and they start getting around the house a little bit, that your home should be, I can't remember if she said 80 to 90% yeses and 10 to 20% noes. And um, that was really good advice. And I remember we had house plants, not a lot, but we had several house plants around the house. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you started crawling, of course, no place is better than in that dirt with your little hands into the dirt. And it dawned on me, I don't even care about these plants. I liked them before I had you, but now I have you to take care of. I don't need more live things to take care of. Mm -hmm. So I gave them away and somebody else who cared about plants Mm -hmm. could take care of them. But, um, but again, that was preventive discipline. I prevented the issue by getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. But so there's that was an some easy one. things that like you have to feed your baby. That's right. So if the baby's even like thinking about an older baby, they're sitting in their high chair and they know when I sit here, I get food and I throw it on the floor. Exactly. Every time. Or I throw my plate at my mom. Right. Because they, they there's do. There's some who do those things, some more than others, mm-hmm. but... Right, but and you so can't prevent. You can't just say no food. No, but there's things you can think ahead. So think to yourself again. Okay, when is this happening, and is there anything I could do to prevent it? Well, they do have to eat. Some people choose to feed their babies mm-hmm. every bite with their own. So then you don't have food being thrown because mm-hmm. you're being fed. But if you do put food on their tray, 
I would ask your, you know, ask yourself, how much food am I willing to pick up? Because that's how much you should put on the tray. Yes. <laughs> so don't put a lot of food on the tray. And then if they're throwing the food, then you can just take off most of it and maybe just leave them with a piece or two and then tell them because they do. They have a lot more receptive language than they can actually produce mm-hmm. but they can understand a lot mm-hmm. and so you can tell now, i'm them. amazed watching my sweet nephew who's like a year older than graham mm-hmm. a little bit more than that and watching when megan says things to mm-hmm. him that you can tell he knows exactly what she's saying at such an early age it is shocking so so you know you can just say we don't throw our food so here's your food. And if you throw it, you're not going to have any food to eat. Of course, she needs to feed her baby. So right. you could also, you could just, hopefully they stop throwing it. But if they don't, then you could say, oh, I guess I'll need to feed you because mm-hmm. I need for you not to throw your food. And so then you can pick mm-hmm. up food. Now we've learned from this little one, he's usually doing that when he's finished. <laughs> That's when he starts throwing his yeah. food. But now it's become it's a play not. thing and not food anymore, actually. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to come up with something. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you can be creative and come up with some logical consequences. And it's logical that to not put very much on the tray mm-hmm. or that you don't get to feed yourself. Um, and so, again, you're just you're trying to set a pattern of, of as Sally Clarkson says, one of an author that we love and speaker that we love to follow. She says, not this, this, this. Uh-huh. <laughs> not this, this. So that's what your pattern is Mm -hmm. kind of always. Over and over, especially when they're little. Mm -hmm. Those zero to two years, I always, I say regularly, I think 18 months to two and a half is really the hardest phase Mm -hmm. of parenting little ones because they're not able to communicate well their feelings yet and what they want or what they don't want. And they don't even necessarily know the why. Once they hit about two and a half, I feel like they can, some children, can communicate that why better of knowing what, why do you want this or what do you want? Most of them by that point can start communicating that and it makes for easier relationship in choice making that you can give them decisions and such but when they're when they're really between about oh golly even like once they hit 18 months mm-hmm. they know what yes. they want but they can't necessarily tell you what they want and that's hard it is and that's what um i will move on to that older a little bit older mm-hmm. like toddlerish one to three uh-huh. but backing up to baby kinds of yeah. things I just don't want to pass this up because I think of some of the struggles with babies, and one of them is sleeping. Mm. She says to the tired mom. <laughs> I know, and I was uh, a tired mom, yeah. and um, and some of my babies just natural, just on their own, slept better than others. And I know that that would be something that people would love for us to sit here and say, "Here's how to sleep train your baby." Yeah. You know, this will, this is what you need to do. Um, but I just think that's such an individual kind of a personal thing mm-hmm. that I wouldn't dare tell you what to do about how to sleep, how to get your baby to sleep better. Um, because I think there's um, a lot of things, you know, in that. But I would, um, be for your own sanity, for these mamas, for their <laughs> sanity, I would ask you to ask yourself a couple of questions. Um that is what you're doing with your baby currently working for you. And, and if I it would is, even stretch this yes. out to older kids with sleep too, because okay. having my, so my other children right now are two, five, eight, and 11. 
And they're all in different sleep phases as far as how we do bedtime routine, Mm -hmm. how we go to sleep, how long we sleep for, when our bodies naturally wake up, like after how much sleep do your bodies Mm -hmm. naturally wake up? And then what do we do with that first wake up time? Mm -hmm. And so when we were talking, when I saw your thoughts Mm -hmm. on this, this Mm -hmm. point about sleep, how is it working for you? I think that could apply across the board. Mm-hmm. Is what you're doing working? Mm-hmm. And I can think of a few of my children who it's working really well for right now, what we're doing, and maybe a couple where it's maybe not working so well what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, but either I, it just staying in the cycle of doing that, it's mm-hmm. kind of a crazy cycle. It is. because, And then you get angry, and then you're short with them because what you're doing isn't working, but... I'm the one choosing to do that. Right. So if it's not working, I really should be the parent and change it. Exactly. And again, you could say that exact same formula for all of life with your children. Mm-hmm. How is this working? Mm-hmm. And then the second question is, is this maybe a transitional stage? Like, is there mm-hmm. something going on? I mean, maybe you have a brand newborn baby and they have itty bitty tummies. And they need to be, it's healthy for them to be fed throughout the night Mm -hmm. and throughout the day. Yes. (laughs) And so it's really a blessing for them and for you. If your little baby can eat, what a gift that is. Mm -hmm. Not all of them can eat well. So, so that's, that's just, so you can know this is Or are they learning to crawl and so they don't even know, or when they just first start sitting up and they can't help it. Yeah. They startle at night and they sit up, not even knowing what their body's doing. So, so is this kind of a transition time or maybe even a transition for your family? Maybe Mm -hmm. you're making a move. Maybe there's something going on in your house Mm -hmm. that it's not as quiet as it usually is. Mm -hmm. Something. Is this transitional? And then the third thing, if it's neither of those, if it's not, um, if things, if this is not working for you, if this is not transitional, then to ask yourself, maybe I need to make some changes. Mm-hmm. And um, there are all kinds of sleep training programs out mm-hmm. there. And the only thing I would say is read them, look mm-hmm. at them. But really, you know, I would just discourage you from doing anything that plots you against your child. Mm-hmm. If, if what you're reading says your child is manipulating you, your baby is controlling you because they're waking you up this many times. You know, I just don't think that that is in the heart of a child. And it doesn't match God's word to me. When I read about what God says about children, it doesn't say children are manipulative or controlling you. Sinful, yes, but that's different. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, I think there's there are ones that are out there that are good ones and that you can mm-hmm. follow them. But I think, again, those two things, if they're telling you your child is manipulative and controlling you, if they're telling you you have to do it this way, mm-hmm. it must be this way, it's very rigid, again, I don't think that's giving um, any leeway for your personality or your child's mm-hmm. personality. Or your husband's. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing I was thinking about is sometimes when I'm having to get to a place of saying, what are we going to do differently? I will ask my husband, okay, what are you seeing? Because this is what I'm seeing in the way we're doing bedtime right now. This is what I'm seeing isn't working. What do you think? Because he has a different perspective on it than I do because he's seeing if I'm the one actually doing it and he's more observing that part of the day or if he's trying to do it too and wants to participate, but maybe I'm not letting him in because I'm thinking, no, this is how we're doing and it requires all of me and none of him, <laughs> maybe he and I need to work together to come up with a new system that incorporates him more and maybe serves the hearts of our children better than just what I was seeing alone. Mm-hmm. And if I incorporate him, then I have his buy-in 
and ownership into it too. So then when we are doing whatever the training is, whether it's mm-hmm. a, and I would say this is for all discipline even, mm-hmm. whether it's a discipline method that we're using with our children with a specific child, or if it's sleeping or whatever, if we're on the same page and he has buy-in and I have buy-in, then we can be a team in that, which is really what you want. Absolutely. Yeah, so. for sure. And I just... um and, and I just think that whole thing, it again, it goes along with all of discipline, but including the sleep training thing, is just having in your head even so much in your own mind that you're coming alongside this child. You're mm-hmm. on this child's team. It's not you pitted against your child. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things I would talk about about sleep mm-hmm. training is just, you know, remember you're coming alongside helping this baby get the sleep mm-hmm. that he needs. You're not against your baby and when I felt I've had moments where it's felt like I'm against them for (laughs) sure and and I found that the moments I get like that is when I feel out of control Mm -hmm. when I feel that we don't have a plan I don't know what to do right now with you Mm -hmm. with this situation not necessarily with you Mm -hmm. but I don't know what to do about this current situation I feel out of control it feels overwhelming so I'm just gonna lose my cool and scream about something Mm -hmm. or holler at the child for whatever it is Mm -hmm. and then have to step back and then later come back and apologize I am so sorry that I lost my cool I was feeling very frustrated but Going back to the idea of having a plan, when Sean and I together have had a plan, and I know this is the course of action that is our plan as a family, it helps me to not feel overwhelmed in those moments and be more in control of myself as I'm trying to help train my child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, let's talk about some of these tools with the twos now. Okay. And okay. I love that you call them the terrific twos <laughs> instead of the terrible twos because it is a bit... Um, it can be a bit overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. I will say being in the two-year-old world is a big world. They have big feelings and it can bring up big feelings in us. Yes. So. And I happen to love toddlers. And um, I think they're just such an amazing breed. And to think about that they've just come from this very you know, tiny little baby that doesn't know anything and they've developed in such a short time into somebody who has opinions and feelings. Boy, do they. (laughs) And some a lot more than others. And, and you were one who I used to say your feelings pendulum swung very far and Uh wide and it still does. You've just never been a middle of the road kind of a pendulum. (laughs) And, um, and being that way that little ones are that way often, Mm -hmm. um, Again, go back to the preventive discipline thing and Mm -hmm. ask yourself those same questions. Um, Is this situation, is there any way I could have prevented this situation? And if so, you know, how Mm -hmm. could I have done that? Um, Because oftentimes, uh, toddlers, the struggles oftentimes are kind of some common ones. And that is that they're tired or they're hungry or they can be overstimulated, mm-hmm. or they can need just need your attention. It, literally, mm-hmm. a five-second hug can change their little lives. Um, and or, change yours. Yes. <laughs> um, or they are, oftentimes, they misunderstand what you've said. Yes, we had an experience not too long ago where my sweet two-year-old was very upset about her chocolate milk because she was saying <laughs> that um, it is too much. It is too much. So naturally, right, I poured out some of the chocolate milk, which resulted in throwing herself on the floor. No, it is too much. And I thought, okay, so I poured a little bit more out. 
into another cup, thank goodness. Because what I discovered in the end, it was too much space in the cup. (laughs) There was not enough chocolate milk in the cup. So her communication was actually completely opposite of what she meant. But once I figured it out, I could help. Right. So So. (laughs) they misunderstand what you're saying, and they are often misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Okay, I had a story from this morning with this, you're saying (laughs) two-year-old. So she found in one of my drawers a pacifier, which we in our family call boppies. Uh And she said, that is my boppy. And I said, no, I think that's your cousin Charlotte's, which I'm really not sure, but I know she's not having one now. (laughs) I said, I think that's your cousin Charlotte's. And she said, she, um, maybe we can share. (laughs) And I thought she said, maybe we can, uh, what did I think she said? I wrote it down. Oh, maybe we can steal it. That's Uh, what I thought she said. Maybe we can steal it. And I said, maybe we can steal it. And she said, no, maybe we can sell it. And I thought she said, maybe we can sell it. (laughs) And I said, maybe we can sell it. And then she said, no, maybe we can show it. She said, she was trying to say, maybe we can share it because she wanted to use it also. Well, so if I had just jumped on the first thing she said, maybe we can steal it. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if I had taken that seriously? And said, oh, Alice, we would never steal something. <laughs> Gone on on this rant about not stealing. Or maybe we can sell it. Why would we Why sell, would you sell your cousin's pacifier? <laughs> and so oftentimes these toddlers, are they misunderstand what you're saying and they are misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So like we talked about on Heart of Discipline, we have to really think about living with them in an understanding way. Mm-hmm. Trying to th- imagine what does it feel like to them to be misunderstood a hundred times a day. That was just one conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that we think about all those things. Uh, can we prevent some of this behavior by thinking, are they hungry? Are they tired? Are they overstimulated? Do they need my attention? Am I misunderstanding them? Or do they are they misunderstanding me? Mm-hmm. So those are some things to think about for preventive for the for the toddlers. And you had talked about some popular advice that you had heard back when you were early on in your parenting about ignoring behavior mm-hmm. or just sidestepping bad behavior or saying we're just going to distract from this bad behavior. And while there's times that you can do that, mm-hmm. especially when they're young like mm-hmm. that, you can say, oh, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead mm-hmm. and help them move a different, tenderly move a different direction. Right. That's something you can do sometimes, but it's not something you can do all the time. Right. And and for me, um, I when, when you were little, you were throwing a big fit. Of course, I don't remember what it was for, but you were throwing a fit and going along with that more dismissive kind of parenting. I had been told if you just ignore their fits, they'll stop because they're mm-hmm. doing it for your for your attention. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think that's right. I think it's some for your attention. I also think they are just so upset they don't know what to do with mm-hmm. the upset, so they just scream. Their bodies just their do bodies it. just do <laughs> those things. Um, but anyway, so you were throwing a fit. I turned away so that I wouldn't give you any attention, and you ended up hitting your head on an open drawer and mm. really just slamming your head into this drawer. And I felt horrible about it. And at that moment. I picked you up and probably said what I needed to say to myself more than to you. And I said, that's it. 
we're not doing this again. Mm-hmm. And I decided right then that I was going to take a different turn, some different advice that some friends had told me. I had I had was friends with two different families that each had two little girls. They didn't know each other. They were actually from two different cities. And I had asked them before you could do anything. You were just a tiny baby. What what's your secret? Because mm-hmm. their little girls were fun little girls, but very pleasant to be with. Mm-hmm. They weren't out of control. And so I had asked them each separately, what did you do? What's your secret? How do you have these wonderful little girls? And to my surprise, they actually both told me the exact same advice. Mm -hmm. They said that between the ages of one and three are very, a lot of intense training needs to happen. And after that, it's more fine tuning. Mm -hmm. But between one and three, they've got to learn that you are the parent, you and your husband are the parents, and that you need to be in control. And then I had listened to, I I then, after I decided that I couldn't let you throw fits, I listened to um, a a focus on the family where James Dobson gave a talk that he entitled Shaping the Will Without Breaking the Spirit. And he also has a book that we've really enjoyed, Dr. Dobson does, Mm -hmm. called Dare to Discipline. And it's been very, very helpful for us as well. Okay, so... So for me, that cassette, back in the days of cassettes, I rewound it and listened to it over and over um, and learned so much from him. And he, too, said the same as my friends, that one to three is a very important time of training. And um, and then I heard, um, Josh, I, McDowell. I heard Josh McDowell mm-hmm. talk about, around that same time, he talked about that uh, children need to know that your pa- their parents are there to provide and to protect them. Provide mm-hmm. for them and protect them, just like God is here to provide for us and protect mm-hmm. us. And so those things begin to shape my discipline with my children and understanding the importance of this window of time between one and three of intense discipline, intense training. Man, and sometimes it is intense. I remember times, especially, I think I remember it more with my first because it was like all I was doing was disciplining that one person. Whereas with my other children, it's just like part of the day. And while I'm disciplining them, I'm making sure the other people are doing what they're supposed to be doing or being taken care of or whatever. But um, I remember there were seasons where I thought we are just going to be sitting by ourselves. We co- we pick tiles and we call them squares. This is one of our tools is we'll say, okay, you're going to stand in this square for however old you are is the number of minutes. And man, two minutes is really long for a two-year-old. My current two-year-old, we actually can't even do two minutes. It's too much for her. But again, that's personalized. Right. I realize for her body to be still, even for a minute is enough. And so we'll talk about, this is why you are being punished. You are standing in this square because you hit mommy when you were angry and we do not hit. That is not kind to hit mommy. So you're going to have to stand here until the, until the timer goes off. And then, um, and then if she stays there obediently, then when the timer is done, we give her a hug. Yay. I'm so proud of you for listening. We move on. Frequently, being the determined person that she is, if you have a determined child, you should go back and listen to our conversation about strong-willed children. Mm-hmm. And most of the time she doesn't, but it's very intentional. It's like, I will stand outside of the square and look at you. <laughs> so I'll warn her, after her first punishment, if you continue to do that, you'll get a spanking. And in the state where we live, it is legal for parents to spank with their hand on their child's bottom. And so wherever you live, because people live all around the world who listen mm-hmm. to this, research what the laws are where you live. But for us, we've chosen that we will spank our kids on their bottom when they 
for various punishments, Mm -hmm. we almost always start with something small. Mm -hmm. It's almost rarely, rarely is our go-to. I can't believe you did this. You're getting a spanking. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also not done. Our punishing, whether it's our disciplining, I should say, Mm -hmm. whether it's standing in a square or getting a spanking when they're little, those normally are the go-tos. Sometimes it's taking something away. Mm -hmm. If you continue Mm -hmm. to swirl this in circles where it's going to hit someone on their head, I'll have to take it from you, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. I'll sometimes I'll warn them then we will have to whatever Mm -hmm. and then they can choose if they keep doing it then I'll follow through and punish them and most of the time that will result in a repentant spirit and I will give them a hug I'm so sorry and a kiss and we'll move along with the day but she knows that she's learned that that behavior is not acceptable Mm -hmm. but if I was just ignoring it it would be out of control in our home. Well, and that is exactly what I began to watch these more dismissive parents. And I one day watched a daddy say to his his uh, little girl, it's time for us to leave now. Let's come get your shoes on. And she ran away from him. Mm-hmm. I watched this grown man chase his little one down, drag her to the front door, sit on her, Mm. and put her shoes on her while she kicked and screamed, and then he bodily carried her out to the car. I also watched a girlfriend of mine wrestling her child on the floorboard on the back seat of the car because she couldn't get her two-year-old into the car seat. And watching this, I started thinking, is this, which is worse, a little quick pop on the bottom mm-hmm. or this. I mean, that's painful for mm-hmm. those children and they could seriously get injured. That's what I was going to say. It's actually physically dangerous. Yes. And it makes those moments, because I mean, I think we've all had moments where you realize all of a sudden, oh my, my child is out of control. Right. Hopefully for that dad and that mom, that was their moment. And yes. then there was like a pivoting after that of a new plan. Yes. Like yes. you said, is what I'm doing working? If it's not, we need a new plan. Right. Hopefully that was their moment. But if that was just their way, that that mm-hmm. was their pattern of disciplining and training their children, it clearly isn't working and it's not creating peace or security or training for self-discipline for the children or for the parents. Well, and that's what the other, the other pattern that I regularly saw is this pattern. I want to go swim. And the mom says, oh, no, we're not going to swim right now. And she says, but I really want to swim. I want to swim. And the mom says, no, we're not going to swim right now. I want to swim. And she throws (laughs) herself on the floor and she kicks and she screams and she yells. And the mom says, fine, Fine. (laughs) we're going to swim. Go get your suit on. And the child sheepishly looks down and starts to change her clothes. And she's probably either thinking, well, gay, I got my way. (laughs) Or I'm so sorry that now my mom is so mad at me. Mm -hmm. And and what that starts doing is it creates a pattern of your child actually doesn't listen to you Mm -hmm. until you become angry. Mm -hmm. And so the anger isn't actually changing any behavior. You think maybe it is, but it actually, it just is when things start changing Mm -hmm. is when you get all angry. Um, anyway, I decided I'm not having, I'm not yelling at my children. I won't, I'm not, not going to raise children being yelled at. And I think that if you don't have any tools, you're going to stand on the Mm -hmm. tile. I'm going to take this away from you. I'm going to give you a spanking. If you have no tools quickly, it escalates into Mm -hmm. the yelling, which I think is much more damaging Mm -hmm. to a little child's heart 
than a quick little spank on the bottom. Especially when it's done in the way, when I shared about, you know, how we punish them when we talk about this is why you're being punished, this is what's going to happen. We don't punish our children in anger. Mm-hmm. And if we do, we come back and apologize mm-hmm. after if there's any kind of a discipline that's taken in anger. Mm-hmm. If I act out in anger ever towards my children, mm-hmm. I apologize. Mm-hmm. We don't punish in anger. There's a very specific, tender way mm-hmm. that we go towards it. Again, going back to episode 33, because mm-hmm. it's for their hearts. Mm-hmm. That that's the main goal, is that mm-hmm. we be reaching their hearts. And that's not done to humiliate. That's not done in public. Even in front of other siblings, it's not no. done. It's done in private between you and them. And Goodness gracious, mom, thank you so much for this. We could just talk about little two-year-olds and the adventures of their hearts forever. But I do look forward to our next conversation Mm -hmm. about some tools of discipline for older children as well. My mom had so many wonderful thoughts and helpful tools about training up our young children from an early age. That is a big job. If you are in the trenches right now, just know you are not alone. I am right there with you. And if you are past those ages, take a deep breath and think to yourself who is a friend that you can send this to to be an encouragement to them. One thing I wanted to add in is if your family has a history of any abuse or if you have, if you struggle with anger or anger management, um, self-control, then spanking is not going to be a tool that's going to serve your family well. As we talked about in the heart of discipline, and even at the beginning of this conversation, every single child is different. And you really have to take into consideration your child and your home as you're deciding what tools are going to serve your family best. So um, pray about it. Talk with your spouse about it. And God, God will lead you. God will lead you in what's going to serve your family best. And I was thinking about a passage I wanted to close us with today. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I just want to encourage you that this is a marathon and not a sprint. I know we've heard it, but I'm going to say it again because sometimes I need to hear it again. We are training our children so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. This is not a short-term goal. This is a long-term goal. We are raising healthy, godly men and women to serve the Lord. So stay the course, encourage each other along the way, share this podcast with a friend who has a baby or a toddler or a two-year-old who could use a little encouragement, send them the podcast and maybe like a gift card to a local coffee shop or something because they probably could use a cup of coffee too. Have a wonderful week. I hope you can join us again next time. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week as we talk about clearing the clutter in your home.